0: Tornadoes
1: are one of the most violent weather phenomena on our planet, the strongest of which have been rated an EF5 or an F5 before 2007 when the Enhanced Fujita Scale was put into practice. These incredibly violent tornadoes are uncommon, with the last one occurring 10 years ago in 2013. Today we're going back even further and taking a look at the deadliest twister in Kansas history an F-5 that struck the city of Udall, killing 82 people. Joining us today is Jim Minick, author of Without Warning, The Tornado of Udall, Kansas, to discuss this deadly moment in weather history. Jim, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast.
0: It's great to be here. Thank you so much, Dr. Shepard and all the Weather Geek people. So it's great to be part of this, this podcast. So thank you.
1: We really appreciate you coming on, and I don't know if you consider yourself a weather geek, but if you do, how did you become one? Or is it just a, a function of living and matriculating in these sort of areas that experience tornadoes?
0: Um, I'm actually um, a geek for working outside, so um, anything outside, like gardening right now, we're, we're putting in a big garden, mm. but also... Um, just being aware of weather when you're out working in the woods—that's kind of part of part of the, the life here in, in the mountains of Virginia. So, being a geek for outsides, part one, weather geeks, and then the other part is—I just love a good story. Um, I'm a writer as well as a, a reader, and um, a dark and stormy night, right? I mean, any any story that involves weather, I think, is is part of this weather geek. Uh, idea. So, uh, any good story involves a, a, the weather as well. So,
1: thank you. No, I, I I know. I think we have such a range of of experiences and backgrounds in terms of why people think about the weather, fascinated about it, write about it, speak about it, immerse themselves within it. I want to give the the listeners and the viewers a bit of your background. Uh, you have an M.A. in English from Radford University in 1991. Uh, You've taught there from 1991 to 2013 uh, Was an assistant professor at Augusta University from 2015 to the present. Uh, And you've recently or in in recent years written a book about, uh, without warning, the tornado of Udall, Kansas, which we're going to kind of be all over in this podcast. Um, But before I get into that, I want to just dig a little bit into your history as a writer. I mean, you said that you're a writer. Have you written other books?
0: I sure have. Um, I've written um, eight total. Um, a novel is the most recent one, <clears throat> recent one that came out in 2017, uh, and then a memoir uh, called The Blueberry Years that came out in 2010. That's um, about a pick-your-own certified organic blueberry farm that my wife and I created, um, and then uh, several books of poetry and uh, some other nonfiction. So um, three different genres and. Um, several, I don't know how many years, 15 years. Um, but it, actually, that's, that's I'm pretty slow
1: with the books. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they're a big undertaking. I've written a couple myself, and uh, they're, they're not trivial to write, so I certainly can understand. <laughs> and mine were relatively short books. Yeah. I imagine yours are much longer than the ones that I've written over the years. But it begs the question, given the range of topics that you just talked about, that you've written on, what, what made you focus in on the Udall Tornado? Uh,
0: I've, I'm always looking for a good story. And um, the novel I finished in, <clears throat> that came out in 2017 is called Fire Is Your Water. And it, it um, is about fire in many different ways. And I was, I'm fascinated with the—one uh, of my favorite writers is Fred Chapel, and he's written several books, each with a different element— And so I thought that was a great idea. So I I had done fire. So I was looking for uh, another element. And uh, my sister-in-law grew up in this small town in Kansas. And uh, when she heard I was looking for another uh, idea for a book, she said, well, my hometown was wiped out by a tornado. That's that's some winds. And she was right. So um, that opened the door for this whole project.
1: So really oh it, it was the inspiration of a relative in this area uh in your research or right. in your discussions that led up to the book i mean but what what did you learn that fascinated you the most or or concerned you the most as you dug into This world of extreme tornadoes. Again, as I I mentioned in the intro, the F5 or the EF5 is a very rare event. Tornadoes themselves are rare. I want to mention that to our viewers and listeners. Relative to all the thunderstorms that happen in a given year, a tornado is still a relatively rare occurrence, but then within that spectrum of rated tornadoes, the five is particularly rare. So I'm curious in writing the book, what were some of the things that stuck out to you most about the meteorology of these F-5s? Just the power of it. Um, the, the
0: incredible power. Um, for example, the, the, the town is small. It's maybe 600 people. Um, and over half of them were either killed or injured. So just, just that uh, immense power. Um, and it was totally on un, un, um, no warning. Nobody knew that it was coming. It came at 1035 at night. And the weather broadcasters had all said, you know, um, thunderstorms, but not, not tornadoes. You know, again, this is 1955. So the, the communication and prediction capabilities have really, really improved since then. Um, one of the incredible examples of the power of tornadoes, so the The town is in Kansas, so it's all set on, you know, grid north, south, east, west, but there's a railroad that uh, bisects at a kind of a diagonal, Um, and the tornado came directly um, perpendicular to that railroad, and there was uh, on the, there was a crew of of gandy dancers, railroad workers, making, building a side rail at the time. And they were actually living in some old bunk cars on the night of the tornado. And the tornado hit the rail, <clears throat> railroad and twisted. Um, on the lower half of the train, it twisted the cars one way. On the upper half of the train, it twisted the cars the other way. And then the, right in the middle where the, the center of the tornado passed over, um, it did not twist those cars. It was like twisted the whole train like a towel, um, but but it left the cars in the middle still on the rails, you know, busted out the windows and did other smaller damage. Um, and that's where these railroad workers were living at, at the time and they were uninjured. so um, fortunately they they were some of the first to, to start helping with the search and rescue. but uh, just the incredible power of the tornado and then the resilience of the community um, they they really, Uh, did a lot to make it, you know, say we are going to rebuild here. We are still a community. So, yeah, those those two things are incredible.
1: Well, when we come back, I want to explore this story just a little bit more because just some fascinating things and perhaps some things that we can take and contextualize for our current challenges because we still deal with these types of storms. So when we come back, we'll dig more into that. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Jim Minick about the 1955 Udall, Kansas F5 tornado. And again, at that time, they were referred to as F5. Remember, we rate these storms. Tornado ratings on the EF scale and the F scale before that were post-event ratings uh, surveys by the now the National Weather Service. Go out and review the damage, damage pattern, and so forth, and assess Uh, the rating of these storms. I want to read you a little bit of what I have in from my notes from my production team. On May 25th, 1955, an F5 tornado struck Udall, Kansas at 1035, as you heard Jim talk about. There was no warning. In roughly three minutes, it destroyed most of the buildings, toppled the water tower, and killed 82 people. The Udall tornado was and still is the worst in the history of Kansas and one of the worst in U.S. history without warning, which is Jim's book, tells the story of this town's destruction and rebuilding through the eyes of those who survived. And this story also provides insight into how we might move forward into a climate changed future. You know, I, you, you mentioned something, Jim, in your answer that, you know, things are different now because I actually do get a little frustrated nowadays when I see media headlines. It came without warning because generally these days there are some type of warnings out there. There's information. There are outlooks from the Storm Prediction Center and others. But at this time, that statement probably was the case. I mean, we don't have smartphones and right. things that we have now that are keeping us instantly engaged. Um In light of what you learned about how these people dealt with that event, do you see any things today that we're still deficient on, or do you feel like this could never really happen to this type of a town again, I mean, given where we are in technology and with our weather forecasting capabilities?
0: So just uh, one way to answer that is to look at the the historical picture of um, all of the worst tornadoes in the United States, and um, Udall is uh, on the top twenty-five. It is, I think, number twenty-five. And so, of the twenty-four other tornadoes that happens um, that killed over, I, I don't know how many, eighty or eighty people, um, the all of them but the one happened before nineteen fifty-five. So the one that happened after Udall happened at, in uh, 2011 at Joplin, and I think that killed 158 people. So, so just that fact that from 1955 to now, there's only been one other tornado that's killed that many people and has made that list, I think very much speaks to your question of um, the improvement in weather forecasting as well as communications. And so... Um, But still, still today, I mean, just I think the communications is from the weather forecasters uh, part has really improved. So it's uh, now and and I know the weather people are really looking at social aspects and how how do you get people to listen and respond accordingly? I think that's kind of the next big part of that. Um, but I think, and then how do you get people to be prepared yeah. with shelters? I mean, some, I know in Alabama and Georgia, you know, the, or Mississippi, the recent tornado has really hit people that um, did not have good shelters to go to. And, and I think that is probably, um, I think it seems like there should be a possibility for creating a cheap, sturdy shelter that people could go to, um, any, you know, and have, have it available, uh, for people anywhere to, to have access to. But yeah, that, that's, I think the big term. Well, we've now.
1: actually yeah. talked to it. We, 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 we I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a delay. I didn't mean to talk over you, but we did have some guests on recently on the podcast talking about, uh, some per- personal or portable shelter uh, alternatives. So I would encourage, viewers and listeners to go back and take a listen to that particular episode. Now, I was curious about whether you actually spent a good bit of time in Udall and preparing to write the book. And what were some of the stories you learned about some of the more sort of resilient sort of survival story? You told us about the ones with the rail railway, but uh, were there other things that resonated and, and did you spend actual time in Udall?
0: I, I sure did. Uh, I spent uh, I started working on this book 12 years ago, and I spent a lot of time interviewing survivors, uh, probably, uh, I don't know how many, hundreds of hours of interviews with survivors. Usually they're in Utah as well, um, and just gathering in- incredible stories. Um, where do you start? Um, one of my uh, survivors, heroes, is still alive now. He was 15 at the time. Um, he barely jumped out the window and and crouched down this is his name's bob atkinson and he barely made it to crouch by the foundation and uh the tornado at first you know the first front wall of the tornado um basically took off all of his clothes but did not injure him and then the the eye went over and he, he kind of looked around at that time and the house was gone and so were all these other houses Um, And then the back wall of the tornado hit him with all the debris, and um, he said it felt like somebody was shooting a shotgun at him over and over, close range, as well as somebody else was hitting him with a ball bat. And he had um, both broken arms, a broken leg, uh, concussions. Um, His his one hand was completely mangled, and he had um, a two-by-two that went through his Back and pierced him. And um, so, I mean, just incredible. And he had, and then, so he waited in a car for somebody to come get him, and um, nobody came. And so he eventually had, or one person did come, but they they abandoned him, just amazingly sad. I think that's kind of the only really sad um, story from the whole tornado. But, well, no, that's not right. But one of the, the, the most, um, haunting you know but then eventually bobby had decided that he had to crawl so he crawled a half mile over the debris to get to uh, a car and somebody took him then to the hospital wow just just so to, i mean that's i could tell you more if you want uh, that, you know that, that's just one uh, No, that's the mayor a really, at the time survived that's a
1: fascinating story yeah, yeah. uh
0: that, I, i'll tell you one other the mayor at the time was named toots row and every, Earl Tutro, everybody called him by his nickname Toots. And he, um, his house fell on him. Uh, he was able to crawl out and get his family out. And um, and then he became kind of the spokesperson for the whole town. And, and he, he, um, like the day after, he he and the <clears throat> town marshal Wayne Keeley bumped into each other and they traded, you know, how they survived. Uh, Keeley went into his shelter and Um, survived that way with his family, but uh, they traded information about who died and who was still missing and who was injured. And then Toots Rowe, the mayor said, well, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do after this? And uh, the marshal said, I think I'm going to rebuild somewhere else. And Toots said, the hell you are. You know, you're going to rebuild. I'm rebuilding here and you're going to rebuild and be my neighbor. And that became kind of this Um, chorus that everybody uh, repeated throughout the the rebuilding process, you know, there was so much, I mean, the town was leveled and there's so much destruction that even the government officials asked to Terrell, you know, are people, you know, why why rebuild? And, and, you know, will people really return? And the mayor said, yes, you you give us the money for utilities, the people will return. And uh, he was right. And and he kind of led that energy, that charge to, to make it happen.
1: So what are your thoughts on that when you talk about rebuilding? And I'm talking with Jim Minnick about the 1955 Udall, Kansas tornado. He, he's the author of the book, Without Warning, The Tornado of Udall, Kansas. You mentioned rebuilding. And there's a discussion about that even in modern times. We have places that are repeatedly hit by hurricanes or tornadoes. More, more Oklahoma comes to mind, for example, multiple um, tornadoes and so forth. And so I'm curious about whether Udall, Kansas, obviously they built back, but did they build back in a stronger way? And as we've evolved, are building codes such that we're more resilient from your perspective? Or are there places, in your opinion, where perhaps rebuilding is futile because we know that we are going to experience these types of events over and over again? What are, you, what are just some of your general thoughts on rebuilding? So specifically, I mean, we definitely need to
0: rebuild uh, better. And I think um, we've learned a lot from the past and have done that um, in many ways. So Udall is for a while, at least um, probably 10 10 years after the tornado, they build themselves as the safest city in the country because they had uh, enough storm shelters for everybody in town, plus more. So um, you know, that kind of, um, preparation is important, I think for rebuilding, but you know, as, as the climate crisis continues to hit us, I think we need to re really rethink about, um, rising water along the coastlines and, um, building flood plains. I was, um, the Kentucky floods that happened last summer in July, uh, I was, I was, visiting that area and i was um witness you know a little stream that was maybe three four inches deep suddenly was 20 feet deep and just wiped out so many many houses and killed i think 44 people and so now you know do you how do you help those people rebuild so that they're not in uh, living in the floodplains and and how do you uh, also um change the landscape patterns. You know, that those areas have been devastated by mining so that the the rain holding capacity is not there and uh, a lot of the mines have not been reclaimed as they sh- legally should be. So, you know, it's just a very complex problem. I mean, the same complex issues happens along the coast. How do you, you know, insurance is not covering those houses anymore and that's a, that's a message, I think. Um, people need to rethink about where where we live, especially with the climate coming.
1: Well, when we come back, I want to explore a little bit more some of your discussion about climate and climate change, because you make some analogs in the book. So when we come back from the last break, we'll get into that.
0: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill,
1: patio, sunset, hard to
0: get better than that.
1: And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Jim Minnick about the Udall, Kansas tornado. F5 essentially destroyed the town. But I want to kind of fast forward a little bit to the present and perhaps beyond, because in your book, you mention or there are analogs that are mentioned about a climate changed future and this event. Now, uh, the current scientific literature is somewhat, Emerging on the role of climate change in tornadic or severe storms, uh, but I think it's emerging in such a way that we see some shifts. It's certainly more definitive at things like drought, extreme rainfall, heat waves, aspects of hurricanes, and so forth. But talk to us about these analogs that you mentioned in the book to a climate change to future in this event. Mm-hmm. So you're
0: right that um, I think the connection between climate change and uh, the increasing or frequency of tornadoes is not really definitive yet. Um, Some scientists have said that there is no connection, and some have said, "Well, we're going to have more huge supercell storms, and that means more tornadoes." But for tornadoes, it's it's unclear. But I mean, definitely for hurricanes and for tropical storms, you know. um, there's a definite connection between uh, frequency of bad weather and um, disaster because of the climate change. I mean, I, in, I forget the figure, but roughly in the 1990s, there was only 39 um, disasters, natural disasters that were huge um, in scope. And now, roughly, there's 10 times that many, over, almost 400 per year natural disasters that um, just kind of uh, are evidence of the the climate change that is affecting us all. Uh, so, other analogs. To, I, I I think the the most important part of the the Udall story for us is um, what do we do as communities to be prepared and um, and then to handle disasters. Um, you know <clears throat> we I told you the story of the the mayor and his his essential and important and, and strong role in that but you know there were uh huge inpouring from all over the country and and the the world basically of people helping um you to all rebuild like immediately uh the Mennonite disaster service sent hundreds of, of volunteers to help with search and rescue and then rebuilding um, and then, um, Dwight, the, the, president Eisenhower, uh, Kansas himself, uh, sent <clears throat> a telegram saying that the government was there for the citizens and offered, uh, I think $250,000 immediately. Um, so that, that outpouring of, from other communities was, was essential and, and, um, important and, you know, that we need to keep doing that, um, but how far can we keep doing that when there's, you know, there's there's limited resources and there's uh, inc- more and more need for it, you know, as, as evidenced by so many hurricanes every year. So, um, you know, climate is going to test our resolve of how we how we survive, how we help each other. And I think and how we rebuild. And, and I think that, you know, it's essential that we do uh, value communities and and how we um, are generous with with each other uh, so that that is going to be tested if it it already is you know, I think it already is in many ways but yeah um, I think that answers your question th-
1: it does I mean, the last question I really have for you is with the time you spent there and speaking with so many people there and you all was there anything that kind of stuck out to you just about the people, the heart of the community and their resilience. Uh, if this tornado struck a different town, do you think the reaction would have been the same? Was there something in particular about Udall that, that really got them through and allowed them to sort of stand again?
0: Um, yes and no. I mean, I think um, any type of disaster like that tests a individual as well as communities resolve and, uh, having a, a strong leader was essential and important. And, um, but you know, they, they, and then I guess another, I mean, well, this, the storm struck, uh, the city of Blackwell, Oklahoma before it, about an hour before it hit Udall. And I don't, I don't, I did not was not able to verify this, but I've read reports after that they did not have that long strong leadership, and um, they were not as quick to rebuild. Um, so, so that's kind of a, a comparison. Um, but at the same time, I, I think we all have that ability to be um, strong in, in a key crisis moment, and and I guess the other. Um, lesson from you all would be to to know your history and value that and and to keep it alive. You know they have a memorial uh, pretty annually, and um, I'm going to be part of that this coming year on May 25th. And so, um, you, you know, knowing that history is is one way to both. Uh, Remember the people and value the history of the town as well as to think forward and, and, you know, are we ready for the next time? And um, what are we what are we giving? You know, what stories, what resources, uh, what kind of an earth are we giving to future generations? Um, And, and, you know, given our history, what can we learn and, and push forward with that?
1: Before we get out of here, I want to read you what David Laskin, the author of The Children's Blizzard, said about Without Warning, it's a page-turning disaster narrative in the tradition of the perfect storm and *Isaac storm. Spare, vivid, suspenseful, meticulously researched, utterly harrowing. Uh, But the havoc of an F5 tornado wrecked on this quintessential Kansas small town in the spring of 1955 is only part of the story here. By taking the arc all the way from the calm before the storm to the months long labor of rebuilding and reanimating, Jim Minnick has brought an entire community lovingly to life. At the heart, this is a book about how what's best about our country confronts and overcomes the worst of our weather now jim's website is wwwjim dot m i n i c k dot com uh, are you out there in any other places or social media as well jim uh, facebook as well but um, i try to
0: not do too much uh you know i, I, I okay uh, try to keep some time for writing but yes i'm out the web page is a is a good way to 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 connect as well so
1: yeah very very good. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing some of your experience and story. Um, before I get out of here, uh, we actually don't have a geek of the week. We like to highlight a scientist, superstar, great geologist or a weather weenie at the end of every podcast. Uh, we didn't have an official one this week, but I just want to uh, sort of designate everyone that has experienced and been resilient to these types of disasters in small towns across the United States and, and large towns. Uh, let's let's declare them all the Geek of the Week because we really uh, salute your spirit and resilience. Jim, thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast.
0: Well, thank you very much, Dr. Shepard. It's been great to talk to you and, and thank you for sharing the story of the Udall tornado.
1: Thank you. And thank you all for listening and watching for those of you that are watching us on the Weather Channel streaming app as well. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and we'll talk to you next time on Weather Geeks.